deepening roots and growing branches here at New Life EFC in Hastings, Minnesota. This is Paul Arnerberg, Director of Disciple by Doing with Pastor Brent Kumpelin, and we are in the second of three parts. By the way, this is episode 38 overall, but the second of three parts consuming to stewarding. And I think of an old adage as a runner, uh, an old adage goes like this, do you eat to run? Or do you run to eat? And I think of the first uh, hmm. half of that quote, eat to run means that it's you're kind of stewarding. You're eating to fuel yourself to be active and to be there so you eat properly for running. But you run to eat, you're running for an excuse to consume. And so I think that's a good hmm. way to look at it. And it also harkens back to episode 34 when I gave a long uh, talk about my goal setting for physical. And I went from, as a younger man, I would... I would think I could outrun my eating. So in other words, I my running was an excuse to extra consume. Mm. But then as I got older, I realized, no, I need to steward what I eat. And running is just a way to sort of keep uh, the, the muscles and the uh, bone density in there. So that old adage about running is something that could be akin to our second of three parts, consuming to stewarding. So Brent, please give us a 30 to 60 second recap. Yeah. What was episode 37 all about? Yes, yeah, so if you tuned into the last one, we're talking this transformational outcome of consuming to stewarding. And we were especially highlighting in the world we're living in here, the lofty promises of consuming and consumption and consumerism, that it, it promises so much that it's going to satisfy, that it's going to meet our needs, that all these things and the reality is it delivers on so little in terms of satisfying us at a deep level in our hearts and what we really need as people. Yes. Um, it just becomes this kind of hollow, hollow thing. Now, in that reality, what happens is then the the you sort of you sort of miss the point of who we are as God's image bearers, mm -hmm. which we talked about from Genesis one and two, of this calling to be fruitful in ways that are cultivating and guarding and protecting and seeing the fruitfulness come through. And we talked about from John fifteen, abiding in Christ, mm -hmm. and that that fruitfulness is for the Father's glory. Yes, and so that's really where you're actually going to find in relationship with God. And then reflecting the way that God loves, that we then are cultivating and caring for uh, our, ourselves, others, and then therefore God's creation. And I just think that that is going to be where, as we abide in Christ and through the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, that we will find real satisfaction, that the consumption, just false promises, and the way that God made us is we have to recover that. Recover that, and the word for that, as we're going to talk about, is stewarding. So mm -hmm. we're really pleased to welcome our guest today. We've we've been in talks with this man for a couple of months, and he is <laughs> a regular attender here at New Life. His name is Mike Larson. He and his wife run a Mulberry Meadows Family Farm. I'll let you decide exactly to share where it is. I'll just say it's across the border in Cheesehead land. And uh, <laughs> Mike and his family drive quite a ways to get here to church every week. And I can attest that you come to several special events. And it's really a pleasure to have your family here. Mike Larson, welcome to Roots and Branches. Well, thank you, Paul and Brett. Yes, it's a very great honor to be having this conversation with you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. We'd love to know, uh, just tell us a little about your family. Tell us about what you do for your vocation and just kind of set up, like, how'd you, how'd you end up on this farm where you live? Yeah, good question. Uh, one thing leads to the next. So um, my wife and I, uh, we live in Red Wing. We lived in Red Wing when we were first married. Mm -hmm. um, that's where um, we were both working. Um, I work for a consumer product company, speaking okay. of consumerism. And uh, <laughs> so that's my daily life <laughs> yes. is, uh, in that industry. Um, when we started wanting to have kids, we wanted to live out in the country. Mm -hmm. So shortly after Grady was born... Um, and, uh, we moved out to the country, uh, and we wanted to, uh, you know, have animals and a garden and things like that. That's yeah. where we wanted to raise our kids. 
So um, Reina was born, and then we, shortly after she was born, we moved out to the countryside. So okay. we live on um, about 12 acres. Nice. And um, when we first got there, it was um, eight of the acres were farmed conventionally, mm. um, corn and soy, beans. And um, it was interesting the first couple of years just watching the land and just observing. And yeah. Um, just noticing how after the fields were harvested, that it was just bare open ground mm. and, um, just looking all around us, uh, the same. Mm-hmm. And, um, I started reading and researching, um, you know, realizing that I was now a landowner. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> now it's, there's some responsibility that comes with that. That's and right. Like, how do I best take care of this little piece of planet earth? Yes, know? that's right. Yeah. And, um, so I wanted to be the best steward as I could. And, you know, you read, read a lot about like, um, different types of farming, um, permaculture, um, and then it led me into polyculture mm. and silvopasture, agroforestry, all these perennial agriculture systems, huh. and um, finally landed on regenerative agriculture. Mm. And that's kind of the, the model that we are using to, to grow our hobby farm. Yes. So we started with uh, two sheep. We drove down to Rochester and loaded two sheep into the back of our minivan. <laughs> minivan. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. It's the, the ultimate farm vehicle, by the way. That's right. Of yeah. course. Hatchback. Um, and so with two sheep, uh, that eventually um, you know, grew to a big flock that we wow. have today, and uh, including other animals like donkeys and goats, mm. uh, chickens, of course, uh, rabbits, and... Um, yeah, it just keeps growing. How big is your flock of sheep now, or herd of sheep, I should say? Yeah, uh, so it uh, started with two, and then it, they multiply rapidly. Oh, of course, like rabbits. <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, we harvest some for ourselves, and um, this year we actually sold quite a few uh, to another farmer. Mm. Um, but um, right now I think our herd is down to 37. Okay, so yeah. decent. That's an 18-fold yeah. increase from your original two. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> nice. Um, That's amazing. Um, so can you define regenerative farming? What is that? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack there. For sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of notes here, audience. He <laughs> came very well prepared. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a method of farming that focuses on the soil. So kind of the unseen parts of, of agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's the most important part of, uh, part of it. It all boils down to the soil, um, and uh, the saying is, soil is the unseen livestock and the most important part of the farming. Mm. Um, and to way to grow soil, um, there's always you know the scientific aspect of it, the carbon sequestration. Um, but the way to do that is to have deep roots. Mm. And um, sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the way to get deep roots is to use um, animals. It's the most efficient way of doing mm. that. Um, grazing is uh, is nature's way of uh, cultivating those. Uh, leaves and then that caused the roots to decay and that yeah. stores the carbon in the soil and it creates this whole cycle um and so yeah the, the animal is the best way to do that and the regenerative aspect of it is that um rest is the key ingredient for mm. that as well ah. and um so you want the animal to intensively graze the plant and then the animal moves on just like the big you know bison buffalo herds uh, in the wild they would intensely yeah. graze an area then move on and not not come back to that area for almost up to a year. Wow, okay. And so we're kind of trying to reproduce that on a small scale on our farm. Um, So that means that we move our sheep daily, sometimes twice a day, um, to the next paddock. Mm. And so um, that's kind of my daily job on the the farm is setting up the next paddock uh, for the sheep to go on later that day. Um, The goal, we haven't really quite figured out the 
the, the, the rotation schedule yet. You yep. know, it all depends upon the time of year, how many animals you have. But um, the goal is to rest it as long as possible. Um, and we're trying to get up to 60 days before mm. the animal gets back to that same spot. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, a couple quick connections that yeah. immediately came to mind. You said that the soil's the most important part and is the hidden part. Mm-hmm. And he immediately made me think of the parable of the soils. Oh, yeah. In Mark 4. Mark 4. That the whole point of that parable is what's the condition of your heart? Mm. Ah. Mm-hmm. And are you soft soil? to receive the gospel. Yes. And there's that sense of the heart is the hidden place. We know that mm-hmm. across the scriptures, yep. that God cares most about the heart, that our inner life, our inner being, is the most important thing. He's, he's, it's where all other things spring from, mm-hmm. right? And so our behaviors and actions and relationships, like all of that is ultimately coming out of what's been cultivated from within in our inner being. And God cares most that that has the rocks removed and the weeds gone uh-huh. and like all those things so that we can produce that fruitfulness we talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. So that made me think of that. Maybe I'm jumping the gun on you, but <laughs> that was that was so cool. Um, and then the other is the restfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sabbath. Yeah. When we talk about being fruitful, we sort of touched on this in the last episode, that there's seasons for that. But yes. the idea of the lay fallow or the rest that's part of the rhythm of God's creation and how he made things to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. So it's not produce fruit, produce fruit constantly. Margin yep. or rest is part of how God designed us. It's also sewn into even the rhythm of creation. He's, God said he rested on the seventh day. That's yeah. right. The Sabbath is part mm-hmm. of that. So I'm just reflecting a little bit as like, you know, putting my pastor hat on. And I'm, oh, like, I'm seeing scripture all over the place. Great theological banter. Right. And, cool. and let me add too, before you continue, Mike, I love the word regenerative as regenerative farming, because one of the fancy theological words we use for someone that's born again in Christ is regenerate. Mm-hmm. So we are regenerate when yeah. we are born again in Christ and you're regenerating the soil, which is the hidden fruit of good agriculture and good tilling of the earth and stewarding your property that 12 acres in, in Western Wisconsin. Yeah. There's another, um, there's a spectrum of speaking regenerative from conventional progressing onto regenerative. Yeah, great. And conventional is basically um, the outputs are isolated, they're singular, um, they're um, kind of destructive, uh, invasive. But Mm. then as you go more towards regenerative, going through the steps of greening, sustainable, restorative, and finally get to regenerative, that's more of a holistic approach. Um, the The idea is to get as Diverse as possible, polycultures, mm. um, a lot of circular, lo- <clears throat> circular use, um, multi-use, and so a lot of outputs. Outputs. Mm-hmm. So yep. kind of the key in regenerative farming is that every output uh, is an input to something else, and the more there huh. is, the better. Um, yeah. Wendell Berry, um, uh, yeah. an author that we enjoy, is um, <laughs> yep. he has a quote that uh, he said, the aim of a healthy farm will be to produce as many kinds of plants and animals as it sensibly can. So mm. yeah. having the diversity of animals uh, is just um, brings it all together. Yeah, um, that's it's interesting great. too, like going back to, to soil, yeah. um, just thinking in Genesis, um, Adam, or Hebrew, I guess, is Adam. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And yeah. it's a derivative of Adama, which is the earth. Yeah. So we're basically, you know, that's where our roots are, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the Latin word for, uh, I just learned this the other day too, is uh, humility and human, both derived from the Latin word hummus or hummus, oh. yeah. uh, meaning earth or ground. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and yep. that's the one thing I've learned um, in this farming um, is that 
it takes a lot of humility. I mean, mm. when yeah. we first started it, I didn't grow up on a farm. Christina did. Um, and so she had luckily some background and helped me coach through all my frustrations. That <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, it was definitely a learning curve and a lot of humility was needed for that. So Yes. Anytime you learn anything, there's a human, humility element involved. Mm-hmm. So, and I love the picture on the packet you presented to Brent and me. Uh, I'll just read the caption because you can't see this audience, but it says, picture showing our first one quarter acre reclaimed pasture in the foreground and monocrop corn in the background. Could you de- de- um, define monocrop versus the, I think you said polycrop or the, the, the richness you're creating by moving those sheep around with a goal of 60 days rest before they come back and then graze again. Yeah, that was the amazing transformation that we saw right away. So we reclaimed only a quarter acre to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to take off, you know, bite off more than we could chew. Yeah, of course. But um, so we started with the quarter acre, and it was amazing just to see the transformation within one year. Even, um, you know, the normally the conventional field is harvested in you know uh, October timeframe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but watching a pasture established that still remains green throughout the growing season way into November mm. um, until the snow starts coming down. Yeah. And then the springtime, um, the grass greens up right away yeah. well before corn does or, or before they even start planting the field. So mm-hmm. there's much longer growing period uh, in the year. And um, with yeah. that comes, um, you know, you, we noticed, you know, field mice showing up. And then because of that, we noticed hawks showing uh-huh. up so that the the land just started flourishing right away it yeah. became this from a dry desolate kind of desert in a way mm-hmm. into this flourishing um uh, ecosystem yeah um and then the polyculture aspect of that is really important because the the more diversity of plants that you have in the ground um the better it is for the soil um mm. and the sheep, you know, they, they're picky eaters and there's yeah. a lot of parallels, you know, biblically to sheep and, <laughs> and us shepherding and, and shepherding. Yep. So when I'm out in the field with the sheep, uh, there's so many things that come to mind, but mm. yeah, the sheep, sheep are picky eaters and, you know, they choose the ones that are, that they need for themselves nutritionally. Mm. Um, and then the soil responds to that. So it's interesting too, in the subsequent years, we reclaim more and more of the 12 yeah. acres mm-hmm. um, and just watching the, f- the field evolve. And you see, uh. for example, I think our first year, the chicory plant really took off. And the chicory plant is sort of like a dandelion mm. family. Yeah. And it has really deep tap roots. Mm. And um, the soil was so compacted over the years that the chicory root... Um, the, the lamb was just thirsty for that. They wanted yeah. a deep taproot to kind of break up that soil. And then the next year, another plant took off. I think it was um, plantain or something like that. But Ooh. it was very interesting just to see the soil yeah. evolve. Yeah. That's yeah. so fascinating. And the, um, the, uh, the, the patience that that takes and the time that it takes mm-hmm. and seeing the good variety of all the beautiful things that God has made... Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff, there's so many lessons. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just over and over. You're encountered, you encounter the good beauty of all of the variety that God has created rather than maybe just one thing. But you also are forced to operate with a different level of patience and of realizing that I can't just force this thing. Mm-hmm. I think something you pointed out about the, the maybe the conventional approach is that it comes from... It, you know, there's an approach there of I can force this to do what I want it to do, mm-hmm. that I'm going to either spray it or turn it over or or apply machinery to it. And I don't want to be like too like, you know, hard on on that. But 
there's this sense of um, when you're cooperating with the way that it's designed in a more of a deeper sense, that you are a part of, um, it, you can't just force it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you have to be patient and work through the process that mm-hmm. God has set up in the way that he's made his creation rather than right. sort of changing it on my terms. Mm-hmm. It's a good analogy for parenthood, mentorship, and discipleship mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, You can't force your people that you are uh, cultivating in, in the spirit to grow. Talk about a connection. You talk about sheep and shepherding. Yes. We talked about the soils as this metaphor, this parable of, of the condition of your heart. Oh, like you can't force and manipulate change at a deeper level in mm-hmm. people. It's something God does. It's something that he, it's, it's his work. There's some of the deeper things that go on. Yes. Um, I mean, this is one of the reasons why that metaphor just works so well, that uh, the, the farming or the shepherding metaphors are just require so much patience, uh-huh. patience with processes and with the people and all kinds of things that are going on. So it's funny. It's interesting yeah. to see that you encounter that. Right. Yeah. The other thing, too, like with monocrop, conventional farming, uh, um, you know, it's a single crop that was is produced for uh, for a very specific, re- specific reason. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that brings to mind some other things from Wendell Berry that um, he wrote a book called The Un- Unsettling of America that was really yeah. um, uh, influential for me. And he talks in there about two natures, the exploiter nature and the nurturer nature. Mm. And um, exploitation, um, he talks about like how money and profit is the goal um, and they use efficiency as a standard. So as a result, the exploiter is a specialist and an expert um, mm. who in a way, wants to earn as much as possible with as little work as possible. Yes. Um, and so I think in terms of metrics and KPIs and numbers and um, trying to do one thing in isolation out of the whole. Mm. Yeah. And the opposite of that is basically a quantity versus quality um, dynamic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see this a lot at my work, uh, ah. my day job. <laughs> yep. But the other, the opposite of the exploiter is the nurturer. And this is one who has, um, rather than money and profit as the single goal, it, it's health and um and they use care as the standard for that. So mm. they have more of a generalistic and a holistic approach. Um, and it's the, the idea is to work as well as possible, um, not as fast as possible, yes. or, or things like yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and they think in terms of character, condition, quality, um, quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. So he has a really good quote, too, that he says, a family farmer will walk his fields out of interest, where the industrial farmer or manager will only out of necessity. Mm. <laughs> so that's... that's <laughs> Kind of, you know, we just, I, yeah, you know, working the farm for me is like a whole life uh, thing, you know, body, soul, mind. Yeah. Um, I, working at my job is mostly at the desk. So getting out in nature, being outside is yeah. a whole body exercise. Yeah. It's, it's immersive and it reminds you of your limits. Mm. It, it, it opens your eyes to the needs of other things and other creatures, other people. Mm-hmm. It's just a totally different perspective um, when you move from what can I manipulate to get something out of this versus um, how can I steward this for fruit mm-hmm. and for fruitfulness. And honestly, this applies to so many situations. You can treat people this way. Mm. Yes. What can I get out of this relationship? Mm-hmm. And so you constantly, like, you might not even really engage in that relationship unless it's necessary. Like that uh, same as that farmer who doesn't walk the field unless they absolutely have to. That's right. Mm-hmm. But if you if you view it with a sense of fruit and stewarding for the good of the other person or for God's creation or for your spouse or your kids or whatever relationship, you spend time uh, with those people for a completely different reason. 
And the time that you spend and the familiarity you gain through that engagement on those deeper levels, that's actually part of your loving care and your relationship building. I mean, it just totally changes the dynamic. So not instead of what can I get out of this, it's how is this relationship being stewarded for fruitfulness? Mm -hmm. And you end up, as it were, enjoying the walk Mm -hmm. rather than just seeing it as what can I get out of this walk? Yeah, You see what I mean? Including enjoying the beauty that we referred to before, that beauty can be an inroad for an unbelieving world. That might have been pre-show. I might not have talked about it <laughs> here yet. But if you if you cultivate beauty, that is an inroad for people to say, ah, beauty exists. Why? What's the purpose of beauty? Well, it's to show the beauty of our creator and the beauty that we are becoming in Christ, if you are indeed in Christ. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you need Christ because you'll become all he meant you to be. Mike, you're going to say something. Oh, I was, yeah, speaking of beauty, it is, it's so beautiful to watch Christine and Raina out milking the goats. And yeah, I heard this one of her favorite things yeah the goats they enjoy it too they they love you know they walk up to her and uh. just like i'm ready you know, yeah, <laughs> let's do this <laughs> so um yeah yeah it's it's just there's so much beauty in it and everything everything we do and that's one of the things too i think to counteract consumerism is just mm. to like slow living mm-hmm. and just like being in the moment and not needing to rush yeah. and uh, mm. hit, hit a number um, and the fastest way is often not the best way to do things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Faster is not always better. Mm-hmm. More is not always better. Mm-hmm. Uh, to find the way to create the most output is not always better. Mm-hmm. Right. So, the th- this applies in so many ways because we're going to get to this probably in the next episode of like, what does this mean for our lives? But to mm. preview that, yes. when you view your life as a whole life project of like a whole life discipleship, whole life lordship of Jesus over my life, a whole life understanding of all the different parts that are connected. We did a previous episode on fragmented to integrated, yep. and this connects directly to it that we had a, a transformational outcome of going from everything being compartmentalized to yes. being like a whole picture of who I am as um, as a person under uh, as created by God. Uh, that process actually produces the real fruit, and it's it, we got to be careful that we don't import assumptions about faster is better, ah. uh, more is better, all these various things. That's consumeristic or that's um, fragmented. That's ways that are going to be actually against and fighting against God's good design. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that slow, patient process often, <laughs> I'll, 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 as you alluded to, like in some ways we've been, we sort of adopted the new ways as we think is always better Sometimes the older way is better. Yeah. And I've I've even said it this way to people. The most conservative thing you can do is take care of God's creation. Yeah. And trying to like blow a category there, because somehow that uh we we can get a little sideways on some ways the world talks about how we take care of creation. They don't even use that word, obviously, but you don't want to farm that out or sell it to uh let that become um owned by you know, the secular world, yep. but like recover that sense of actually, this is God's good design. We're going to cooperate in that way and then show the goodness, truth, and beauty of who God is and what he has done for us in Christ by living these things out in a totally different path. Mm. And I think that that needs to get recovered. So I have two connections, yep, Mike, go. two name drops. First of all, have you heard of a man named Rory Groves? 
hmm. from Northfield. Okay, so he's from where you went to college. Right. And uh, he wrote a book called Durable Trades. And he's a Christian homesteader right in our backyard here in Minnesota. And uh, and he said something similar to you. A few minutes ago, you said about specialists, hmm. that the, the um, I forgot how you described a commercial farmer or whomever hmm. is a specialist. Whereas Rory says a similar contention, we think of ourselves as specialists, but actually God designed insects to be specialists. Hmm. He wants us to be generalists. Mm-hmm. He wants us to have that holistic approach to all of life, relationally, agriculturally, vocationally even, and how are we disciples of Christ generally, not to say we can do one thing, we check the box and we're done. We are not meant to be assembly line workers on the uh, on the journey of life, but instead a generalist. So I commend yeah. him to you. Yeah. I don't know if you have a response to that, but I have one more name drop after that. <laughs> yeah, so no. I, I commend that book to you called Durable Trades, uh, a fellow uh, Christian homesteader. The other name that you have on your list for us is Joel Salatin. Mm. And this actually connects back to what Brent just said. You alluded a little bit to politics. And um, Joel describes himself as a Christian environmentalist libertarian. (laughs) It's a really fun combination of words. And libertarian comes in that he knows better than the government uh, bureaucrats about how to cultivate his chickens and his land and other things. He he, um, does his butchering of his chickens in the open air. Mm -hmm. And he's done actual tests that's more sanitary than the big factory farms. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. But also, of course, he's a Christian. That's self-explanatory. But um, environmentalist, I love the movie Food, Inc. because he's featured in there. And I know I'd like to hear Mm. about your knowledge of Joel. You might have met him, for all I know. But he is such a holistic farmer that he has the chickens and the cows and the pigs and the agriculture. One of the scenes in Food, Inc., he grabs a bunch of grass, like in your quarter acre of reclaimed regenerative farm. And he says, this is like a salad. When my cows, my grass-feeding cows eat this, it's like a salad. And he, I think, counted like 10 or 12 different plants in that natural prairie grass. So maybe talk about Joel and talk about... About how he's influenced what you do at uh, Mulberry Farms. Yeah, so yeah, Joel does a great job um, uh, with talking about regenerative agriculture mm-hmm. and puts it in practice and makes it really um, easy for people to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the first people that came that we came across when we were learning this. Um, and then there's several others too, like uh, Greg Judy. He does it more of a larger scale. Uh, Richard Perkins does it in uh, in Europe, mm-hmm. way up on the f- way up in Sweden, in the 59th parallel. So wow. he's kind of demonstrating that it works in all regions of That's the world. Good news for us in yeah. Minnesota, and Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Rhodes is another one that um, kind of is a disciple of Alan Savory, if you will, and, and uh, he has a YouTube yeah. channel, Justin Rhodes. Yes, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then yeah, later this year, um, there's another uh, gentleman. Actually, the Savory Institute is probably the the institution that is promoting this. Um, mm the most. And, um, later this year, I'm going to be doing some coursework with them and mm-hmm. training and, Great. uh, out in Virginia. So I'm looking forward to that. That's Alan Savory. That's yes, Savory. That's right, okay, yep. Nice. Yeah. I like your handy list of sheets that you gave us. <laughs> I like that name too. It's a good pun. Savory. For, uh, yes. how delicious the food will be after <laughs> the oh. cultivating of the regenerative farm. Yeah. <laughs> how close are we to wrapping up, Brent? What's yeah, the we time? got a few minutes. Go okay, for good, it. Good. Good. My other question then is this, uh, and this goes to be the common man question. How do you possibly have the energy and time to give yourself to this 12 acres, all the responsibilities? I understand it sounds like you that Christina and Raina take care of the goats, mm. but you're probably the primary person in the fields. How do you do that while you're also working full time, not in your hometown? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, somehow it all works, okay. uh, and it's a family affair, of course. Know? So uh, there's a lot to do, but kind of the beauty too of, of um, regenerative agriculture is that because the outputs of one thing or the inputs for the next thing, yep. um, 
you're not having in a, in a kind of an ironic way you don't have to work as much mm, okay. <laughs> you just move the sheep and uh you know somebody once said i think joel Salt. this is a quote from joel Salton, mm-hmm. is that uh farming is the art and science of moving things around because <laughs> that's basically all you're doing is you're moving sheep you're moving food you're moving yeah. water you're moving manure <laughs> yeah just, um so yeah you just it's all about timing so um, yeah, you just get used to moving things around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That visual yeah. in Food Inc. about him having his chickens in a portable coop that he drives around his property mm-hmm. and he has them then graze where the cows had been. So they actually are fertilizing mm-hmm. through the cow excrement. Uh, and yet they are then getting, as he puts it, the chickenness of the chicken and the cowness of the cow and the pigness of the pig. He has very much a pasteurized, or should I say, a, a free range pasture approach to his animals, but they're more flourishing. The land is more flourishing and then we get the nutritional benefits Mm -hmm. it's really all works together do you have anything like that where you actually move your chickens around like joel does yeah i've been trying to perfect a trick and tractor design okay (laughs) and uh (laughs) after like i think i'm version five right now but um yeah we have a few that we move around and uh, it's yeah it works you know it's it's amazing to see them peck around the ground and then The ground looks totally destroyed when you move them, but then days later, it just like explodes. That's so, amazing. Yeah. When we let it rest, right? Rest. We let yeah. it rest. That's yeah. really good yeah. uh, biblical parallel. I love that. So I think that's what we'll pick it up in the next episode, because what I'd love to go to next and discuss, Mike, is what what kind of applications does this have as it reflects an approach to life and a pre- uh, reflects an approach to the local church and the ministry of a local church, the discipleship we have as whole life disciples what does it mean to look at it through that kind of lens in, in a way that cultivates health and growth and uh, goodness as God's design and we cooperate with that? Because I think that's going to be really cool. So uh, that's what we'll pick up next time. Great. My parting verses for you come out of James 5, verses 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish or root your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We're looking forward to continue this conversation with Mike Larson of Mulberry Family Farms. This is Paul <laughs> Arneberg with Pastor Brent Compelin. Roots and Branches, episode 38, sign off.